This podcast is intended for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. We understand many of our listeners may not agree with all of our viewpoints. However, we hope you can bear with us in order to hear unadulterated true crime cases. We are not licensed therapists, nor are we able to give legal advice by any means. Our show notes will provide all of our source material included for each episode. Now Now let's get get weird. Hey, sinners, this is Mims, and I am actually going to be doing this episode solo. Jess has a family emergency she has been dealing with, and in an effort to focus on her mental health, along with being there with her family, she has decided to take a break. Please have her and her family in your thoughts and prayers. I do hope you enjoy my solo episodes moving forward during her hiatus. It's Black History Month, and I am going to kick this off with the story of Yasmin Akri. Yasmin was born on October 25th, 1992. She was a beautiful African-American young girl with sandy brown hair and brown eyes. She always wore her glasses as she couldn't see well without them. Yasmin was the daughter of Joyce Akri, who didn't grow up in an idyllic home. Her mother struggled with drug addiction, and Yasmin was plagued by neglect and abuse in her home, which ended up bringing her and her brother, when they were toddlers, to be put into foster care in Kentucky. Unfortunately, Yasmin and her brother didn't have much of an escape during their placement in foster care. They faced physical abuse, and Yasmin was a victim of sexual abuse. Later down the road, their mother Joyce petitioned for her children to be permanently placed with relatives instead of staying in the foster care system. Yasmin and her brother were brought to live with their aunts by marriage, Rose May Starnes, in Chicago in 2001. In 2006, they were officially adopted by Miss Starnes as her own children. However, these poor kids didn't get any reprieve and unfortunately didn't find comfort in this home either. And this part really breaks my heart because being a survivor of sexual and physical assault myself, the way she was treated when she misbehaved was not in any way the correct thing to do. Rose stated that she loved and cared for Yasmin, but because she had behavioral problems, she had to discipline her physically when she got out of hand she on separate occasions whipped her with a belt or locked her in the basement as a form of punishment i really just want to reach through this microphone to yasmin and give her a big bear hug of course yasmin wasn't going to act like a perfect straight arrow girl first of all what kid does but on top of being a kid she never formed a true attachment during her formative years because she was placed in foster care by her own mother, never went through counseling for the assault and neglect that she endured, and on top of that is now living with a new adult that she barely knows. What kid wouldn't be spiraling and in desperate need of just simple kindness and understanding? 
At the age of 15, she was enrolled as a freshman at Austin Polytech Academy and was about to start a new job. She had been an excellent student in middle school, but when she started high school, she did receive poor grades. And to be honest, I don't blame her. Life had thrown so much at her already. I don't know how she could have focused on school on top of everything else. Then, out of the blue, on January 15th, 2008, Yasmin mysteriously disappeared. She had gone to the North Lawndale YMCA where she was involved in sports and other activities. Immediately after, she went straight home, did a load of laundry, and went to bed. By the time everyone was up the next morning, she was not in her bed and she was gone. Unfortunately, she was not reported to be missing until later on that day even though Rose's boyfriend at the time did discover two broken locks. They just had assumed that Yasmin had left for school that morning. But when she didn't come back after the kids were let out from school, they started to worry. Think about this for a second. This young girl has gone through being placed in a foster care system, being sexually abused, neglected, and then not being provided a nurturing home her entire life, and now she goes missing. No child deserves this. Her disappearance raised questions on how police handled her missing child's case. Of course, like in the majority of her life, she was let down again and again by the adults surrounding her and was mislabeled as a runaway, which prevented investigators to further look into her disappearance. Upon looking at the scene of the last known place Yasmin was, you would assume that Yasmin in fact did not run away and that a struggle must have happened. I mean, two locks being broken into on the outside fence and the lock going down into the basement was cut. And sadly, yes, she did live in the basement, so whoever broke in knew exactly where she slept. Her room appeared untouched and nothing was taken, not even Yasmin's eyeglasses. Tell me how that does not correlate with her being actually kidnapped. It seems like forced entry to me. Despite this, the investigation went cold extremely quickly, almost as if the police wrote her off from the jump. Her family has criticized the police investigation in her case, and in my opinion, as they should. They claim that the investigators who handled her case wrote her off too quickly, which impeded on getting real answers. Labing, labeling her as a runaway was the worst thing that could have happened, in my opinion. According to this source, quote, authorities admitted they made serious errors at the onset of the investigation by not immediately dusting for fingerprints and not taking the broken lock from the basement door, end quote. I feel like that's just regular police work to take into account the broken lock and dusting for fingerprints, but apparently this was too much for them to handle in this missing child's case. And what really frustrates me is that even though she went through so much shit in her life, she had no history of runaway behavior. So to automatically say she ran away and to not look into it any further really just pisses me off. On top of that, many different reports sources 
and even investigators misspelled her name. Many accounts spell her name with an E at the end. While the while that seems like a minor discrepancy, it is important that all of the facts is presented correctly, especially when it comes to a missing child. So now let's talk about a man that has reared his ugly head in this case. In 2005, then 35-year-old Jimmy Terrell Smith and his father had just moved into the same building as Yasmin and her family. You may be wondering, why is this even relevant? Well, Terrell had a sketchy past. In fact, saying sketchy is a bit of an understatement. He had been just paroled from prison serving a sentence for attempted murder. Following his release, he was arrested six times and he openly admitted to selling drugs and being armed near Yasmin's apartment. As if, as if that wasn't bad enough, he had also been arrested for raping five women, including two 14-year-old girls that he allegedly kidnapped. Additionally, Yasmin unfortunately developed an inappropriate crush towards this grown man and started to gravitate towards him uh, a little bit more. This grown man had also taken interest in her and she mentioned him twice in her diary. I wasn't able to uncover what she had said about him in the diary as it was not released, but to me, it's pretty inappropriate that he was getting close to a 15-year-old girl. In a press interview from jail, Terrell did confess that he knew what happened to Yasmin and he was responsible for four murders he hadn't been charged with. Why this information hasn't been confirmed is beyond me. Yasmin's family actually took the situation in their own hands and reached out to Terrell while serving a hundred plus year sentence for hiring a hitman to murder the judge who convicted him on all those rape charges. This piece of shit admitted to her family that, trigger warning, Yasmin allegedly committed suicide and that he assisted her. If I was the family, I would say I need receipts, timelines, where she did it, how she did it, where are her remains, before I believe anything that comes out of his mouth. Due to the misconduct and lack of investigating on the police's behalf and not looking into Terrell's claim of involvement, Yasmin's case is still at a standstill. In 2014, Rose Starnes died of natural causes at the age of 57. She never found out what happened to the young girl who was left in her care. Yasmin's case remains unsolved and foul play is suspected. Even though 16 years have passed, her family continues to advocate for justice. They hope that somehow, somewhere, there are still answers that will help bring Yasmin's truth to light. Yasmin Akri disappeared at the age of 15, and now she would be 31 years old. All we can hope is that she is out there living her life the best that she can, safely and soundly. We pray that her family gets answers and that Yasmin can somehow show them that she is okay. Thankfully, an age-progressed depiction of what Yasmin would look like today has been created and released in the to the public. And I will be posting pictures of her when she was younger and the age-progressed depiction of her 
There is a $10,000 reward being offered for information related to Yasmin's case. So if you have any information, any at all, about the disappearance of Yasmin Akri, please contact the Chicago Police Department at 312-744-8266. I will have that phone number listed in the show notes as well. Yasmin's cousin, Reverend Ackery, is still frustrated on this case being unsolved and called for renewed efforts and justice for Yasmin, as we do on the All the Sins podcast. And that is the mysterious and tragic case of Yasmin Ackery. Thank you guys so much for listening to this solo episode of mine, and I hope that you enjoyed it. If you have any suggestions on cases you would like for us to cover, please message us directly. Follow us on Spotify and on Instagram and Facebook. Bye, sinners. All the Sins Worldwide was written, recorded, edited, and produced by our co-hosts and creators, Justin Mims. We truly want to thank our listeners, collaborators, friends, and family that continuously support us and for all the love we receive. If you enjoy our show, please give us a glowing review and rating on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Also, follow us on Facebook and Instagram to see what we're up to. And email us your sinner tales at allthesinsworldwide at gmail.com. Episodes of All the Sins Worldwide are available wherever you listen to podcasts. So make sure to subscribe and like us on your favorite streaming platform.